podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. And there's a headline today after the third day's play at Lords. Basball has been well and truly punctured. Not totally flattened, but seriously deflated by that performance, which has resulted in an innings victory by South Africa. And I'm sure the England batsmen and well, the rest of the team are still reeling from the severe pace they've just witnessed at the hands of the South African fast bowlers, which has ground down their innings. And Simon, the humiliating fact is that they've only survived less than a day's play in two England innings. 82.4 overs England have been bowled out for in two innings. That really is quite a humbling statistic. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's been an absolute hammering that South Africa have dished out here. I mean, we said last night, didn't we, that, that we, I mean, I said this, I thought the game could end today. I have to say, I didn't think it would end before tea. And England lost eight wickets in that afternoon session. I mean, there have been test matches that we've witnessed where England have lost 10 in a session. They did once in Bangladesh. Uh, not, not so long ago, they lost all 10 wickets in, in one session. They lost eight wickets in a session. It felt to me at lunchtime, 38 for two, if South Africa could get root out very soon after lunch, then yeah, they really could be on course for a, a big win inside three days. And they did. And it's the first time for six years that Joe Root has been out uh, twice for single figures in a home test match. And you know, the way South Africa celebrated, they, they just felt that was the big wicket. To get rid of Root, you know, he can dig in, damage you, but not today. And South Africa triumphant. It was a, a an all-round team affair, really. I mean, Rabada was named man of the match for his seven wickets and his five in the first innings, but there were lots of contributory factors to that South African uh, victory. And a first defeat for Brendan McCullum as England's head coach and a, a second defeat actually for Penn State as England captain but a first as his you know, official England captain and you know quite a bit to think about possibly uh, before Old Trafford or do you think well they just say well I don't know the toss went against us uh, we played well this summer just move on and, and just play better at Old Trafford tomorrow is another day what, what do you think? Well Brendan McCullum was on the, the TV straight after the, the, the defeat today and he was asked those kind of questions mm. and he doesn't seem too uh, perturbed. You know, he says, yes, they should have, uh, there are certain moments that they could have seized better, but uh, actually we were just outplayed. And I think that, that you can sometimes uh, analyse the situation like that. There, there, there are things they could have done better, yes. And obviously one of those things is, get a better opening partnership together. And that, that has been England's flaw, really, for a number of years. There just hasn't been a consistent opening stand, which clearly was the, uh, the, the important factor in South Africa, making 326 in the end. We said they were a weakish batting order, but they managed to cobble together a, a decent score based on their opening stand of 85 between the, the two left-handers. And, you know, it was a sort of do a dogged, nuggety kind of opening stand. Interestingly, that... Uh, Avea, who is the, the other opening player, the left-hander that sort of has only played a few games, has, has really devoted himself over the last sort of few months, even years, to the art of batting. So even this summer, 
He's played, you know, some league cricket, club league cricket in Surrey for Weybridge mm. CC to try and get his uh, techniques sorted. I noticed a post from a, a very good batting coach, Toby Radford, I used to play for uh, with for Middlesex, who has noticed a, a couple of things he worked on specifically for this test series and obviously made 73 in, in South Africa's innings. So just sort of uh, reviewing England's performance, their opening pair are still flawed. And I'm, I'm not convinced by Alex Lees. I, I, you know, it was interesting hearing Brendan McCullum talk about Zach Crawley. Uh, will you still will you still keep faith? And obviously, they've named the squad for the first two tests, and Harry Brook is in that squad, so there is the facility to to bring him in instead, or I guess call somebody else up if they felt it was necessary. But what McCullum has said consistently about Zach Crawley is he's always going to be inconsistent. Uh, he's he's a potential match winner. There are going to be times, phases in his career when he's always going to have low scores, but he can do things, in certainly in McCullum's mind, that other batsmen can't. So, you know, in a way, he's trying to convince everybody, perhaps including himself, that there is a match winner sort of somewhere underneath Crawley's skin that's just desperate to get out. I mean, today, it was disappointing, actually, seeing the way he got out. You know, he got out to the spin of Maharaj, which you know, everyone was thinking about the pace bowlers that, that would be the, the main threat. And there's England losing two wickets to uh, left-arm spinner bowling from the pavilion end to, again, reduce England to 20, uh, 38 for two. So that was disappointing. Yeah, I thought actually Crawley's body language when he was out was quite interesting because he played the sweep shot and Richard Ainworth gave him out the, the appeal, but actually it was umpire's court. And they, what, what there wasn't was a, a consultation with his non-striking partner, Alex Lees. Oh, do you think I could get away with that? Is you know any, anything that could save me? I mean, normally the LBW shout you you consult, but actually just seemed to walk past Alex Lees and off as if to say, uh, you know, I, almost as if I, I can't wait to get out of here. Uh, yes. I, you know, you wonder whether it might just be better for Zach Crawley himself, you know, just just to be taken out of the firing line for a while. You know, it's already well backing a player, but but sometimes you know, it must be, you know, trying to get inside his head. If that if that were me, I'd be thinking it might actually be quite nice not not to have to do this for a few weeks and to sort of get away from it and just do something completely different. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying by that? No, no, you... I, I don't do totally understand, and I agree with you. And I think he's shown that before. I remember a dismissal. I think it was at Trent Bridge against New Zealand when he had a big drive and he got bowled or I don't know, nick one behind or something, and he walked off without even looking back, almost resigned mm. to failure. And this is another case was sort of oh, you know, everything's against me at the moment. Was his sort of uh, body language as he walked off and what can I do about it kind of thing I've just got to be philosophical and, and walk off and accept my fate and sometimes you have got to be a bit stronger than that I mean it's a good it's good to be phlegmatic but it's also uh, it's also terrible to be defeatist and I think he he's verging on defeatist at the moment just reading his body language so you are right in a way that they could put him out of his misery but who, who would they put in instead? Who's going to open? You're not going to talk about Joe Root opening again, are we? Or Bearstow? Well, one thing they could do, and this is something that, that um, I'm pretty sure Alistair Cook has, has mentioned this, actually, that, that Harry Brook has opened at Yorkshire. Now, that's, it's a big thing, isn't it, to make your test debut as an opener when you've actually made all your runs in the middle order. Um, but I think one of the f sort of feelings about Harry Brook is that 
he, he, he sort of deserves his chance this summer, but there isn't an opportunity in the place that he bats to, to come into the side. You know, he's got enough runs. He looks classy enough. You sort of feel he's, he's ready. And, he, you know, he's, he's been in a lot of squads this, this summer. He's, he actually fielded as a substitute fielder you know, here at Lords. So, I mean, that's one thing they could do. It's a bit of a punt, isn't it? You know, do, do you want Harry Brook to, to open to make his test debut as open? Anyway, that, that's one thing. They, you know, it probably feels a bit of a stretch to do that. Um, the other thing is to make a change in the squad. I, I mean, do you think, do players ever go to the coaching staff and say, do you know what, coach? Actually, I think it's time for me just to take a break. I mean, some, some people do it, experienced players. I mean, you know, back in the day, players have, have sort of stepped aside, haven't they? I mean, Jeffrey did it, for example. He was out of Test cricket for three years in the 70s. Mike Dunness, as captain, dropped himself in, a, in an Ashes series way, way back in, in 1974-5. You know, players do take sort of enforced breaks from the game, don't they? I mean, ben Stokes actually took a break from the game last summer, didn't he? Uh, for, you know, for a different reason. But I wonder whether, you know, a player can actually know... Drop, drop me. It's time. You know, it's it's not going well. I, you know, I perhaps I need a yeah. break myself. Look, I think it's really difficult for a young player. I think it's fine for a, a more experienced player. And I remember John Embry actually uh, in India in 1993, mm. who didn't feel he was bowling all that well. No, and that's right. The Indians were right. We're getting after him, and he uh, didn't play in a, a key Test match in Calcutta when actually he could have been a, a real threat because it was a turning pitch. I think that's okay with an experienced player because they know their game, they know when their game's a bit off colour, they know what the team need. In a, in a way, it's a sign of strength. But for a, a young player who's still finding his way, you don't really know whether you're, it's a sort of a permanent slump or just a temporary dip. And you know, also, it, it sound, sounds weak. It's good, well, it, they could think to themselves, it sounds weak to say, uh, actually, coach, I'm just not up to this at the moment. I, that, I don't think Brendan McCullum's mentally, like that, though. It, I, well, no, maybe I, I don't right. think he's I mean, like that. Sure. No, I think, mm. and I don't think I'm, Ben Stokes is like that either. I, th- I think, well, I mean, we're, we're speculating, but I don't think either of them would, would see it like that. I think they would. It probably... takes a lot of guts, doesn't it, to to, to front up yeah. the coach and say that. But you know, you're mm. right. You're in a we're in a more kind of inclusive and empathetic. Yeah. era now so you know perhaps it is a it is a solution I mean I would just say one thing on your suggestion to, to you know pitch in Harry Brook to open the batting or anybody to open the batting for that matter I'm just looking here at best strike rates in test history for bowlers yeah. right <laughs> the list of best strike rates yeah. and believe it or not three of the four bowlers in this test match for South Africa are in the top 10 Kagisa mm. Rabada who averages 22.2 uh, per, per wicket, but a strike rate of 40. And only four bowlers in test history have a better strike rate than Kagiza Rabada. And two of those were in the 1880s. And one of them is a former South African, well, current South African, Dwayne Olivier, who uh, is, is in that list but hasn't taken all that many wickets. And the other one's Shane Bond. So Rabada is the fifth best strike rate of all time in test cricket. And then you've got Lungi Ungidi and also... Nokia as well. So in that list of top 10 strike rates. So that is a measure of how good this South African attack is. And also, Marco Janssen has an even lower strike rate than any of them. He hasn't played quite enough tests to get into this list yet. But his strike rate is under 40. That's 40 balls per wicket. It's under that. And that is yeah. you know, some of the best strike rates of all time. So you're talking about a, a young player making his test debut, potentially Harry Brook, going in against four of the most potent bowlers that Test cricket has ever seen. Yeah, um, that, that's why I'm sort of slightly reticent about it. I'm, I suppose I'm just trying to put forward a, you know, a potential uh, solution for you know, a player who probably 
deserves to play. And you're right, it is a class South African attack. And I actually said to Ben Stokes, I was doing the television interviews, I said, is this the best attack you faced this summer? And he sort of looked at me and he gave me that sort of slightly odd look. And he said, well, you know, I think Bumrah, et cetera, you know, are, are pretty good. But I, I mean, this is, I, I wonder whether this is, you know, all round, it's, it's just a bit stronger. Uh, there doesn't seem to be much release from the South African bowlers. You no, know, it's it's more like, a, what it's a four-pronged, I mean, they're talking about awesome foursome. And this is the, this is yeah. the thing. It's, there are four bowlers. This is the first yeah. time, by the way, that these four fast bowlers have all played together for South Africa. And it, it, there isn't any release. And then you've got Maharaj yeah. to come on as well, who's a very experienced and capable spinner as well. So mm. in actual fact, it's a five-pronged attack, which doesn't mm. have an obvious weakness. And... It's also fast. It's the fastest attack England have faced for 10 years, averaging 86 miles an hour, which is quicker than the Australian attacks of the last 10 years or so that are, that are here, an average speed. Nokia's uh, over today, I think it was the 25th over the innings, was the fastest over England have faced for 10 years, average of speed of about 92.5 miles an hour. So, you know, it really is seriously potent. And although Marco Janssen is only young, 22, you know, hasn't played many tests... He looks the business, so it really is quite a seriously good attack. I think up there with, I mean, it's a bit early to say up there with the, the great West Indies attacks of the 1980s, but it's not far off. Well, it's it's, it's very strong. I'm just having a look at that India attack that played at Edgbaston. Yeah, Bumri, Bumra and Shami and Jadeja, Mohammed Siraj, you know, promising young bowler. Shard Attaka was the the fifth member of, the, or the you know the fourth member of that quartet. If you like, you're talking about the the pace bowlers. And Taka actually at Edgbaston, he looked quite hittable. You know, he sort of he's not got that same pace or venom or threat. Uh, as the others, and and Siraj, you know, he's a he's a promising uh, young bowler, and uh, you know can have his day, but also another bowler quite hittable. Having said that, I think the pitches that we played on so far this summer have been you know, relatively flat, and I think this is the trickiest surface as well. So that, that's another reason why I wasn't that surprised that England uh, lost today, and why I thought yesterday they they could lose today, and you know, and even South Africa they found it quite hard. I mean, you you might argue actually. That you know, England, you know, they did bowl well at times yesterday, but actually, I mean, you said this, didn't you? Oz? You you thought England could bowl South Africa out for for two hundred, and I, and I wonder whether three two six actually was just a bit too many, you know, for for the conditions. I know it was sunny yesterday, but for the inexperience of the batting lineup, and for the you know the fact that there was movement, there was swing, there was seam movement. Yeah, I, I wonder whether England, England's bowling was, you know, right on it. You know, whether it's that good a performance from England's bowling. I know, I know, it's easy to slate the bowlers when the the batter. I'm not slating the bowlers. It's easy to focus on the bowlers, you know, when the batters have done uh, poorly. Uh, but yeah, I just wonder whether England could have bowled South Africa out for, you know, for fewer. But then, you know, would that have made any difference? South Africa, you know, they they were hunting England today. And, you know, they were excellent. Wickets all round, you know, Rabada two, Ngidi one, Maharaj two, Nokia three, Janssen two. I thought, by the way, I thought Nokia was excellent today and mm. excellent mm. in the game. He, he really was a threat um, and a, a superb delivery to get rid of Johnny Bairstow and a fine ball as well to get rid of Alex Lees. Mm. Yeah, I, I, undoubtedly a, a really exceptional display by all the the, the, the South African fast bowlers. Uh, Rabada, for me, was the pick because of his skill in the first innings and even the intelligence he shows as well to bowl the slower ball to Stuart Broad, both innings, yeah. to sucker him into a mishit. You know, sometimes you can get carried away. And in fact, uh, Nokia himself was trying to bowl faster and faster at Broad and 
getting sliced and sort of hooked into different directions and cost it cost his figures a little bit but uh, Rabada came out came on and, and sussed it out uh, so he's a clever bowler Nokia is just basically rapid and he's got that, that that sort of almost glazed eyes expression a bit like Bob Willis used to have when he was mm. on on one of those uh, in one of those sort of spells abroad sometimes also uh, you know he's got that kind of laser guided type of approach to the crease and then th- those serious missiles firing down uh, one was at 95 miles an hour it's a lot of heat for a, a batsman to deal with but just enough in the pitch the slope of the of the lord's surface also just helping the ball occasionally to leave the right handers brilliantly exploited by all the south african bowlers maybe we should also mention ngidi who only took one wicket but it was a, a beautiful ball to get rid of joe root who is perhaps a little bit lax in playing a shot he now regrets and that was the you know that was the sort of sign really that england were going to go down today but they you know as a as a four man pace attack they they really were superb and they've got more variation than england because you know they've got the the the, the height of marco jansen who also left arm angle and then the pace of the other three whereas england just are, are a bit samey Well, so what do they do then for Old Trafford? Do they say, we, actually, we, we are going to make a change? I mean, they, they do have one obvious um, player wait, waiting in the wings in the bowling attack they could bring in. That is Ollie Robinson. Would, would you like to see Robinson uh, play at, at Old Trafford? No, not particularly. No, I, I wouldn't. I, I don't think he will make a lot of difference. You know, England really needs some pace, don't they, to, to fight fire with fire. I don't know where they're going to get that from. Uh, well, it isn't there, to, is it? It's not it's, fit. Well, no. I mean, that's that's the problem, isn't it? Um, they've got to bat better. And I I, I don't know. I, I think they, with the bowling, they, they, they need a bit more help in the surface. But they had some uh, yesterday and they weren't quite yeah. able to capitalise on it. So, look, it, it's not, as McCullum quite rightly said uh, at the end of play, England haven't suddenly become a bad side overnight. They will create chances in the next test. I think they probably had slightly the worst of the conditions. It was a good toss to win, and South Africa capitalised on it. I would have liked to have seen England concede a lead of 60 rather than 120. That, mm. That's where they could look at the bowlers not really having quite... They weren't quite on it, the bowlers, and McCullum, well, actually, and Stokes post-match kind of hinted at the, the fact that, without making excuses, that the scheduling at the moment means there's no first-class cricket for these bowlers to play for six weeks. And that isn't, or well, certainly not um, Broad and Anderson have, haven't played for a while and Potts played one first-class match before this game, but three weeks ago. So they haven't had much, much bowling. And th- that is a reasonable excuse to make, even though England are not, look- are not looking to make it. Yeah, I and mean, one thing they could have done, uh, you're, you're right, there isn't a great deal of first-class cricket. What they could have done is they could have drafted... Anderson, Broad, Potts and into their team to play the South Africans down at Canterbury for the Lions because it, it was a first-class match and then it wasn't a first-class match. So, you know, they, the players were coming in and out a bit. So they, they could have done that, couldn't they? I mean, it's quite... In a way, it sort of makes it sort of quite unsatisfactory. It's like almost makes it like a net. But the game, I suppose, sort of a little bit turned into that, the fact it wasn't a first-class game. Uh, that, you know, that's one thing they could have done. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's, it, it's we talked about this last night. It's, it's, it's not ideal, the amount of... 
uh, preparation time you have. But then again, Rabada came into this game, you know, mm. in theory underdone and, and was, was the player of the match, you know, picked up seven wickets. So, you know, it's hard to know what to think. One, one person we haven't mentioned today, and actually we talked about Rabada being player of the match, we talked about South Africa's pace bowling attack. Leading scorer in the game was Sorok Ifia. He wasn't the leading run scorer in the match. That was Ollie Pope, actually, bizarrely, uh, an, an England player making 73 and 5. So he scored the most runs, 78. But Efia's innings yesterday, for me, absolutely vital for South Africa. It slightly reminded me of the innings Nick Compton played on a tour of South Africa where he made about 82 in a, in a victory in Durban. And I think, so, I think it might have been Graham Swan who was given the player of the match. But actually, that set up... Uh, England's win there and in a way Evia's battling gritty innings of 73 uh, set up South Africa's victory here and you know sometimes you think well on in tricky conditions a player who can dig dig in and make some runs actually you know it's not an eye-catching hundred but actually that was you know really key mm. innings and it, it gave South Africa a, a lot of confidence and something um, from which to to build on that absolutely no doubt about that but yeah you know yeah. it, it, it do you, do you agree with that or yeah, not? No, I agree with that. And I, and I, I also think uh, a key uh, little bit of uh, addition was Maharaj's batting as well. I got yeah, 41, yeah. Uh, batting at number eight. I don't, I've never thought he had much pretensions as a batsman, particularly. Uh, test average of 16, uh, first class average of 20. So you know, he's nothing special. He has got a couple of hundreds in first class cricket, but... Uh, a best test score of 84, interestingly. I, I don't know. Mm. I, I just felt he was someone, if you're bowling and you see him coming at number eight, you sort of think, hmm, I found that there's not much left here. But he actually stood up and, and played well. I, England missed a trick perhaps with their tactics early on. You know, it's interesting that when they went back to sort of more orthodox bowling this morning, they got the wickets, uh, whereas mm. the previous night had gone rather too much towards the sort of bouncer tactics. And that just takes out so many other dismissals, potential dismissals, mm. uh, that you know, batsmen, when they first come in, yeah, OK, you don't want the ball at your throat particularly, but you sort of know if you get out of the way, you, you, you or even if you let it hit you, you're not going to get out. Whereas mm. you get a ball that's on the length of roundabout off stump, it could get you out so many different ways. So I, th I think England did sort of miss a trick there and they could have trim that lead to 50 or 60 maximum, which would have been a difference. And then when you've got Stokes and Broad playing the bat around, as they did this afternoon, with a little lead rather than a deficit, the, the, the balance of the match can change. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we can talk a lot about England's uh, bowling tax, the short pitch bowling tax. I mean, it happened again today, didn't it? Actually, you know, South Africa still had that lead overnight, good lead overnight of 120 plus, and England went short. And actually, with the new ball, they went short as well. Uh, they might say, well, we took the last three wickets for 37, but I suppose they had the chance to knock over the last three for 10 today when they got that wicket in the first over. And, and one player who actually had a very good day for England today was Stuart Broad. Brilliant catch at the start, a wonderful catch. If you haven't seen it, have, have a look at it. It was a real high point to get rid of uh, Rabada. Me mesmerising catch. He picked up two wickets and he went out and made 35, England's joint top score in the second inning. So, uh, you know, Stuart Broad had a good day today, but not... Not many others, uh, I, I think it's fair to say. Um, I think that's, that's just about it, Yoz. And, uh, but, but 
Um, you know, teams start well in series, don't they? But they don't always go on to win them. Dean Elgar was was saying in his television interview, yeah, he said, I, I'm I'm sort of I sort of look on it in a sort of negative way. I've got that sort of mindset of you know, oh yeah, we're one nil up. We mustn't get. Uh, complacent, but the South Africa have got a great opportunity here. They've really shown their hand in this in this Test match. But you know, tomorrow is another day. Sometimes it's funny, isn't it? How in cricket things can change round. Um, you you win a vital toss or whatever. You you bat first on a good pitch and you get a good score and you build the pressure. But in, England are going to have to play a heck of a lot better than they did in this Test match. Yeah, both you know, both with bat and ball. Really, they were a bit down with the the ball. I think. You know, 326 was was too many on this surface, these conditions. And, you know, you get bowled out 20 wickets in under 90 overs. I mean, that is, that is a pretty remarkable statistic. Yeah, and it does say, you know, that there's some there's some issues in, in the batting, which we've known about for quite a long time. Listen, I'm going to try and put a positive spin on it by saying that <laughs> the last time I think England faced a, a similarly ferocious four-pronged attack was in the series of 2000 when the West Indies were were here on tour and they their bowling attack uh, that particular series was Kirtley Ambrose, Courtney Walsh, Rion King who was seriously quick actually yeah. and Franklin Rose who was very tall and in the first test of that series at Edgbaston West Indies won by innings and 93 runs and England were bowled out twice for 179 and 125 and you thought oh no you know here's another a period of dominance and the West Indies continuing. But actually, England turned that series around and there was that famous test, at, well, both at Lords where mm. they were bowled out for 56 and also at Headingley where it was a two-day test and England mm. won it and eventually beat the West Indies for the first time in about 25 years at home. So it, it was a, a turnaround and England can turn this around as well. But they're going to have to play a huge amount better. I would like to say, actually, well played to South Africa and well captained also to yeah. Dean Elgar, who gave a very uh, humbling and, 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 you know, sort of modest interview afterwards. You know, he just is a, a sort of model of, of self-respect and uh, abstinence and team devotion uh, as a man. You know, he's always dedicated himself to the crease and to the team. He's not a pretty player, but he's effective and he's determined. But I think he's also honest about... The, uh, the luck that the South Africans had and the way they made that and capitalised on it. So uh, well played to them and obviously they'll have a they'll be painting the town red tonight. Meanwhile, I should just mention in our virtual cricket club we've got a special guest on Tuesday. It is the former England coach Trevor Bayliss who's coming to see us and uh, he will answer all our questions. So if you want to join that virtual cricket club, you go to worldsbestcricketclub.com. We have a live interview every week. It's £3 to join, minimum charge. And as I say, there's a regular interview once a week and we have Trevor Bayliss on Tuesday at 7 o'clock. So you could join us for that. If not, join us for our next podcast, a review of the first day's play from Manchester next Thursday. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.